Good evening, everybody. Uh, let's look to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Hope you can hear me. Yes, Pastor. Oh, yes, Pastor. You. Thank you. Abba Father, this evening we come into your presence. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God. There's so much of wisdom in the word of God. Open our ears, open our eyes, open our hearts to learn from the word, O oh Lord. Speak to each one of us. Spirit of God, I pray we'll be able to receive the word of God. Not only we'll receive it, we'll also learn to apply it in our lives. To this end, you take all glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you can just open your Bible uh, to Psalm chapter 5 and keep it with you for your ready uh, reference. <clears throat> uh, Psalm 5 is basically a prayer for uh, protection. Now, if you see these 12 verses, you can find that there are at least five natural selections. Why we say natural selections? If you read this carefully, What's happening here is, uh, it is it's, the psalmist is talking about his prayer or basically is talking about the righteous people, what they have uh, in the presence of God. And he's also talking about the wicked people. What's going to happen to them? So he's going to talk about, he's talking about the uh, nature. Who is a wicked person? And he's also telling that what will happen to them? What will be the fate of wicked persons? So this alternates. Uh, it's an interesting psalm in that way. Uh, the first thing we see is a prayer that God would listen. He's talking about righteous people and he's telling God would listen to the prayer of the righteous people. The second part is evil persons may not enter God's presence. As he finishes the prayer of the righteous people, he's talking about the wicked people. And then he says, they cannot enter God's presence that you find in verses four to six. Then again, he's, he starts his prayer. You know, he has a desire to worship. That's what we find in verses seven to eight. He said, you know, he, it's not only just worship. He wants to have that intimate connection with God. And then he, he is confident the wicked people will be rejected. Uh, that's what he says. The wicked people will be rejected. Uh, that's in verses 9 and 10. And the last one is a prayer for protection, uh, 11 and 12. So now there are three places where we can say it is prayer and what is the uh, status of the righteous people uh, and in two places is talking about wicked people and what is their state, what is their uh, fate. This is what he is talking in this psalm. So we will see uh, one after the other. The first one is a prayer that God would listen. Uh, <clears throat> a prayer that God would listen. So that's in the first three verses. Listen to my words, Lord, 
consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. <clears throat> um, if, you, if you read it in the English Bible, uh, if you read it in the Tamil Bible, uh, things are different. Uh, if you see in the English Bible, you just note, note down this L-O-R-D. L is in the capital. O-R-D is in the small cap. Uh, when we come towards the end, we'll see the difference. But if you read it in the Tamil Bible, you will find Kartave, Kartave in verse 1 and verse 12. Uh, in the Tamil Bible, we are not able to make out the difference. The translation is the same. <clears throat> and in the Tamil Bible, uh, consider, uh, in the English Bible, it's written, consider my lament. Uh, I think in the Tamil Bible, it says, in Dhyanam. Uh, that's, that doesn't capture the Hebrew word. Uh, so <clears throat> I'm just giving you some of the differences. Uh, when we read in the original language, English language is also limited because they can't translate it rightly. Uh, so a prayer that God would listen. You know, he is saying the Lord, you know, the Lord, is requested to listen to the prayer. That's what he says. The Lord is requested to listen to the prayer. He says, listen to my words, Lord. Hear my cry for help. So what is interesting here is, he's saying that, listen to my words. Listen to my words. And the second thing he says is, listen to my lament. You know, he says, God not only listens to our words, but he also listen, uh, he listens to our lament. In, in other words, he listens to a murmuring. You know, there are sometimes something is happening within us. We are not even able to express that outside and God, listens to that. He listens to both the words as well as the deep anguish, the deep lament, or my sad feelings. God will listen to that. That's what he says here. Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Uh, because there are situations he is not able to put it in words. He's in a difficult situation and he doesn't know what to do. But it, but that is there deep within him. He is not able to arti articulate that. He is not able to express it. But he says, listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. But that then he has confidence in God. He says, Hear my cry for hell, my king and my God. My, <laughs> my king and my God. You know, he has that confidence. God is the creator of everything that we see. 
but he can also be approached in, in very personal terms. You know, somebody whom we know, whom we love, or whom, who love us, who listen to us, who cares for us. So God can be approached like that. So the psalmist has that confidence and he calls my God, uh, my king, and my God. Now, it is, it's, it's a question or it's a time for uh, reflection for all of us. You know, we call our God, my God. How much do we know our God? Our God knows us. There's no doubt about it. Not even a single hair will fall from our head uh, without his knowledge. So he knows all that. But the question is, do we know our God? <clears throat> because we are calling God as my God. Uh, you know, when I call Pastor Prem, uh, I know him. You know, there is a personal relationship. When we say God as my God, to what extent we know that God as my God. But the psalmist says, you know, he calls his God as my king and my God. You know, the moment he calls God as king, the Israelites, they had always recognized <clears throat> God as a king. Uh, right, way back in Exodus chapter 15, uh, you know, when we see that verse, Exodus 15, 18, the Lord reigns forever and ever. They always considered God as king. Uh, so now the psalmist did not turn to a human king. So he is praying to God, the absolute God who can answer our prayer. <clears throat> Interestingly, the time of prayer is mentioned here. In verse 3, it says, in the morning, in the morning, this is, this is basically, we can say, your morning prayer for protection. Uh, so the time is mentioned in the morning. And the psalmist, he says, hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you. In fact, psalmist is preparing himself in the morning. He doesn't come to God just like that. He is preparing himself and he comes into the presence of God and he prays to God and then he wait expectantly. It is he wait expectantly uh, for a response from God. That's what we find in the first three verses. Uh, a prayer that God would listen. Uh, then we go to the, this is about the prayer and the righteous people. Uh, in other words, when we have relationship with God, when we know God as my God, we can approach God like this. We can come to God in the morning with our words as well as with our lament. And we can cry out to God as my king and my God. See, he is God who reigns forever and ever. He is the absolute ruler. And once we bring our petitions before our king, 
we should also have that confidence that my king will answer. And we need to wait expectantly for a response from God. So now we move to the second part. The second part is evil persons may not enter God's presence. He just prayed to God. And now he's talking about the evil persons. That's in verses four to six. For you are not a God who is pleased with wickedness. With you, evil people are not welcome. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies, the bloodthirsty and deceitful, you, Lord, detest. That's what he says. <clears throat> you know, as he made his prayer, now he's talking about the evil people. He's telling who all can enter God's presence and who cannot enter God's presence. So he's saying that evil persons cannot enter God's presence because God hates all forms of evil and wickedness. You know, you, verse 4 says, you are not a God who is pleased with wickedness. <clears throat> the more we read the Old Testament, more we read Psalm, you know, we understand the holiness of God. Uh, sometimes I find that in the New Testament, uh, as we call ourselves as New Testament people, though it's, it's not right, uh, but uh, we have undermined the holiness of God. But in the Old Testament, we really see these people where they, they were scared of God. You know, Moses told the Israelites, I need only four things from you. If you remember in the book of Deuteronomy, it says, I need only four things from you. Uh, fear the Lord your God. First thing he says, fear the Lord your God. And then he says, walk in obedience with him. Walk in obedience. And then the third thing he says, love him. And the fourth, he says, serve the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. The Old Testament people, this is, this is, this is what their bedrock, bedrock of their faith. They, they knew God. It is, it is not, you know, with the way we approach God, they never approach God casually. They always had fear. That's what when we saw Abraham's prayer, Jacob's prayer, uh, Moses' prayer, you know, they always cared. How can we see God and yet live? They had that fear. You cannot see God and live. God is so holy. Uh, I gave you that example. When, when you think of God's holiness, uh, it is like a wildfire. You know, God's holiness is a big fire, huge fire. Uh, let's say that, okay, if wild forest we have not seen, let's say the one apartment, huge apartment is under fire, big fire. Okay, now that is God's holiness. What is our holiness? A glass of water. So our holiness at its best form is just a glass of water. 
So if you take a glass of water and you pour it on that fire, what will happen to that water? We will not find that water at all. You know, it'll just evaporate. It'll have no effect. God's holiness and our holiness is like that. We cannot approach God. Sometimes we think, um, we tend to think we are good people, but our goodness is also is just like that, a glass of water. So we cannot approach God. That is, you know, God is so holy. Uh, that's why Isaiah said, oh unto me, oh unto me. So, so here he says, that's what he's saying, reflecting here, for you are not a God who's pleased with wickedness. God hates all forms of evil and wickedness. Wicked people are not welcome. Evil people are not welcome. Wicked people cannot enter his presence. It is, it is not even wicked people cannot enter his presence. Like I said, God's holiness and our holiness. So God is so holy, wicked people cannot even think of getting closer to God. So evil people are not welcome. God takes no pleasure in wickedness. He doesn't tolerate wickedness. So wicked people should never even think that I can stand by the side of God. I can get into the presence of God. We should realize you know, the righteousness of God. If we don't understand the righteousness of God, we will not appreciate what Jesus did for us on the cross. Uh, the, in, in some of the Protestant circles, uh, of late, there's a teaching that's going on, um, you know, to replace the substitutionary atonement Jesus died for us. They're trying to replace by saying, God is so loving. There was no need for Jesus to die and shed his blood for us. It is all a false teaching. We should never, never underestimate God's holiness and our unholiness. Uh, we, should, uh, we should never forget that. So if we want to be in the presence of God, or if we want, you know, Abraham walked with God, Noah walked with God. If we want to walk with God, then we should take care of wickedness. Evil people cannot stand in the presence of God. Now, who are these evil people? Now, sometimes when we think of evil people, in our traditional society, we have understanding like one who plays cards, one who drinks, one who smokes. You know, this is the traditional understanding. He smokes, he drinks, and he plays cards, he gambles. Uh, this is what we consider as wickedness. Uh, <clears throat> while I don't want to comment on that, but in this place, he's also defining, he's also describing who are the wicked people. Uh, it's, it's quite... Uh, insightful for us to understand that. The first thing he says is arrogant people. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. Arrogant. Arrogant people are confident in their own strength. People who boast, you know, 
they cannot stand in the presence of God. People who boast about themselves, their achievements, their property, their positions, their accomplishments, their family status, you know, they cannot stand in God's presence. He says, uh, the Bible says, you hate all who do, do wrong. Basically, it's idol worshipers. Uh, in our modern day uh, context, we can say that when we make money or our, our achievements, our professional achievements as you know, more important than God, we are also idol worshipers. We cannot stand in the presence of God. Those who tell lies, you destroy those who tell lies. Uh, when we walk into the society, uh, people consider it as normal. It's a normal way, you know, sometimes I'm shocked. Uh, it happens within the church too. People say something and they don't honor their own words. You know, we have to be people of integrity. When we speak something, we should honor those words. If you are not honoring, we are speaking lies. So you destroy those who tell lies. Then he is talking about bloodthirsty. Basically, bloodthirsty are murderers, people who spread falsehood, deceitfulness. They stand as a false testimony. They implicate people uh, falsely. They're all called as bloodthirsty people. Now, uh, let me just connect this with the New Testament. Jesus said, Matthew 5, 21, 22, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to your brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. We cannot justify or rationalize by saying, you know, I'm always an angry person. Uh, we may be an angry person always, but now as a child of God, we cannot be like that. Because getting angry, Jesus Christ equated with bloodthirsty people, murderers. So we, these are the things he's talking about, evil people and wicked people. And we have to be careful when we, how we react, you know, we get angry, what we do with our anger. I'm not saying you should not get angry. There is good anger and there is bad anger. Uh, we should get angry. Angry is, a, is just a neutral emotion. Now, how do we deal with that anger? Uh, that decides whether it's a good anger or a bad anger. Somebody is suffering injustice, we should feel angry. Somebody is being abused, we should feel angry. Uh, generally in the traditional societies, we have been told, you should not get angry. No, 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 we should, Jesus himself got angry. It was a righteous anger. Jesus said, do not let the sun go down in your anger. Jesus never, no, the Bible didn't say that don't get angry. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. So <clears throat> I am not saying that getting angry is bad, but what we do with that anger, uh, that is what is, that's 
that is important and we need to be aware about this. All these people are cut off from God's presence. For you are not a God who is pleased with wickedness. With you, evil people are not welcome. When we are talking about prayer, we need to prepare ourselves. In verse 3, actually the psalmist is preparing himself. You know, we should, we, yeah, we make it as a morning prayer, afternoon, night, but we should also prepare our hearts before getting into the presence of God. Uh, that's a good thing that we learn from the psalm. Uh, all these people, not only they are cut off, but they are also hated because God cannot tolerate evil and they are detested. <clears throat> they are not welcome in God's presence. And the psalmist says, their ultimate destiny is destruction. You destroy those who tell lies. Is it not a serious thing? You know, in the society, people just keep rattling lies after lies. You know, they, they say something, you just cannot rely on those words. You know, but the Bible says their ultimate destiny is destruction. If you keep looking at the society, probably we cannot even get into the presence of God. We need to get into the Bible to get into the presence of God. And we need to prepare ourselves to get into the presence of God. Uh, while we are not very clear from the Psalm, who were his enemies, we are not very certain as to who were his enemies. But one thing is very clear, it is giving some kind of a model, you know, who can enter into the presence of God, who cannot enter into the presence of God, and it is applicable to all of us. Uh, <clears throat> when he talks about the wicked people, Psalmist is also examining his own heart. You know, when he says that uh, bloodthirsty people cannot get you come into the presence of God, he is also examining his own heart condition. And when he says that people are telling lies, he's also examining himself. So it is not only, uh, this prayer is not only asking for protection from evil people, it is also a kind of uh, self-examination in the presence of God. Now we come to the third part. The third part is the desire to worship. But I, by your great love, can come into your house in reverence, I bow down toward your holy temple. Lead me, Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. Because of my enemies can be also translated as because of those lying in watch for me. People are making plans, evil plans. That's what he says. Uh, now, when the psalmist is saying that the evil people, wicked people cannot come into the presence of God, it does not mean that Psalmist says, I'm a very righteous person, so I can come into your presence of God. Psalmist understand his condition. So what he says, but I, by your great love, I also cannot come into your presence, uh, into the presence of God, 
but because of your great love what is that great love you know the abundance of your loving kindness you know the surely uh, goodness and love in psalm 23:6 we say so that is basically surely loving kindness in in hebrew bible it is hesed so loving kindness so here also he says it is because of your loving kindness i can come into your house i can come into your presence otherwise i also cannot come he is not considering himself as superior to wicked people while he said that wicked people cannot come into his presence he also understands his own condition and he says lord it is purely your loving kindness and he knows you know the israelite people they knew that they can come into the presence of god because of god's grace it is god who revealed himself to them it is god who delivered them from egypt it is god who made a covenant with them so if at all we come into the presence of god it is basically because of what god has done for them it is god's grace it is his covenant love it is because of that i can come into the presence of god so <clears throat> those who understood the this love of god this loving kindness grace covenant those who understood this god's love they <clears throat> they they didn't want to become like evil people they had that realization i cannot come into the presence of god just like that if i am an evil person i just cannot enter into god's presence i need god's forgiveness they realized that now in this verse there is something uh, more there's a deep trust if you read this verse though but i by your great love can come into your house it's talking about the temple now we should realize the earthly temple that tabernacle the temple the it was only it was merely a symbol of god's heavenly dwelling you know god gave the plans to moses you know he showed the heavenly temple so that he can build an exact replica of that so whatever is happening here whatever we find in the temple it's only a symbol but what the psalmist is seeking here is not only i'll come into your temple i am not satisfied with that but i want an intimate relationship with you i am not happy just walking into the temple and worshiping you but i want something more than that i want to have an intimate relationship with you you know if we have that intimate relationship with god it is not only on sunday we do it is not only on the appointed time we do but when we desire we call our god as my king my god my king so if if we really 
if you have come to the place or if you're growing or if you're getting closer to that place where we get to know God as my God, my King, what we want is an intimate relationship with our God. We don't want to be carried away by the things of the world, but I want that intimate relationship because I know that I'll be living with you forever and ever and ever. So I need that intimacy. Now, how do we know whether we have that intimacy or not in this world itself? What is, what is the one way we know that we have that intimacy here? Uh, you can unmute yourself and you can answer that. It reveals uh, we, we come to realize more of how sinful we are. As we grow in the intimacy, we come to realize how sinful we are uh, and how we need his mercy uh, to live a life. I feel that part. Yeah, the, what you're talking about is the depravity of sin and the, and the holiness of God, uh, that awareness. Yes. The more we come into his presence, presence, of, God. presence of God. Yes, Pastor. Anybody else? We understand that our identity is not of this world, but we belong to God. Okay. And so we um, we cherish his love and what he is, what he is to us. Uh, Anita, can you just exemplify that? Because what you are saying is only a statement. It's a propositional uh, statement. Uh, what we are trying to find out is practically, how do you experience that? Now, what you said is identity is not in the world, but identity is in God. That's a statement. We want to have our identity in God. But uh, how do you explain it experientially? Did you get my question? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That is what we need when we are studying the word of God. Uh, yes, Pastor, what do you want to say? We, we learn to depend on him more, Pastor. We, we, to... we learn to depend on him. Okay. okay. Yeah. Pastor, and we that... don't... Yeah. yeah, yes, Nirma. Yeah, so intimacy with God means that we don't feel alone. We feel that always he is with us. So I we, feel that... We experience his presence. Yes, yeah. Yes, yes. Yes, good. Anybody else? <clears throat> There's nothing right or wrong. We are all just walking through different paths, different, we are just sharing our thoughts. Open, open up and just share your thoughts. Like when we experience hurt or pain or, um, you know, um, uh, people's um, like taunts, then we, uh, when we run to God, we experience his love because uh, uh, we know that, um, there's nobody who can love us like him. Oh, we experience God's love. Yes, that's right. I also feel, uh, you know, his presence is more, uh, uh, you know, every minute, every second, you know, you're so conscious of his uh, presence in your life that, uh, you know, everything is around, uh, you know, you're very, uh, his presence is so real. You know, it makes, uh, that's what I feel. Every minute it becomes more real. The reality of God. 
God, yeah. And uh, you know, you find that joy in the, the in being in His presence. Okay. That everything else becomes very dim. Okay. Yes, Deepa. The reality of God. Others. Then we can trust Him. Uh, whatever the situation is, we can we know that uh, we can trust Him through that. In every situation of us, however, it can be sorrow, it can be happiness. We know that we can trust Him. Whatever we go through in our life. We can go through the situation because of trusting God's we presence, presence, and we can trust Him that He will carry us through through that situation. Yeah, He will carry. Okay, yes, Sister Grace. <clears throat> Anyone else want to add? Okay, now one of the ways that one who is constantly in who is in God's presence, he would experience God's guidance. I think all of us can give us testimony about that. You know, God guided me. God guided me. Uh, that's one of the ways that, you know, it is the way he takes us through situations, the way he guides us. Uh, the more we experience uh, we are becoming more aware of God, but <clears throat> since our, it, it is, it's, it's, it depends on our intimacy. It depends on how much of attention we pay to God throughout the day. The more attention we pay to God throughout the day, the more guidance we will experience from him. Uh, it, it comes, you know, there are, places, when there are challenges, when there are dangers ahead of us, you find that God has uh, led you in a miraculous way. So this all shows that when we are in God's presence, when we have that intimate relationship, this is what, these are the blessings we get from God. Uh, you know, people who drive, they can testify how God has protected them from accidents, uh, it is not only when the, there are chances of accidents, just reaching home itself, we know that God has protected us. Uh, now we go to the fourth one, the rejection of the wicked. He prayed for the righteous. Now again, the rejection of the wicked. <clears throat> not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their heart is filled with malice. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues, they tell lies. Declare them guilty, O God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. In other words, he says, let them fall, not because of anything, because of their own plans. Banish them for their many sins, for they've rebelled against you. This is true spirituality, true, true faith. You know, not a word from their mouth can be trusted. When we become like people of the world, uh, then we speak carelessly. We don't honor our own words. We have no strength, courage to tell somebody, I'll not be able to do it. You know, all through our life, we have always said, yes, yes, yes. And now when somebody says something and we know we'll not be able to do it, it's beyond our capacity. We don't have the courage to say no, because we want to please people. Now, this is what's important. Not a word from their mouth can be trusted. We should be careful with our words. 
he's all talking about the nature of wicked people. Who are those wicked people? They have no truth in their words. You know, wickedness, I said, as I said, we should not just uh, think of uh, just those who are drinking, smoking, gambling. You know, our words, if there is no truth, you know, it is, we are considered as wicked. Uh, there is their heart is filled with malice. You know, there is corruption in their inner man. Uh, there's absence of truth. There is corruption. Uh, okay, that I already said. Their tongues tell lies. So we need to be careful. And the psalmist is saying, declare them guilty, O God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. You know, evil will destroy us. We don't need to have any enemies. If we, if we nurture evil, it's like a wild animal. So that wild animal one day will just tear us into parts. So the very nature of evil is self-destructive. So that's why we need to be careful. These are not minor things. I can speak whatever I want. Their throat is an open grave. In fact, Paul will write about this in the, in the letters to the Romans. In fact, he's quoting from this Psalm. Who are the evil people? And he's quoting the Psalm. I think it is in Romans chapter three. He will talk about their throat is an <clears throat> open grave. And we need to be careful. <clears throat> what the, basically what psalmist is saying is evil is self-destructive in nature. People might think they're very smart. They've got their things done. You know, that is not smartness. They don't realize that they've just destroyed themselves little more, little more. Uh, it is evil is like a termite. It'll keep eating us from within. And one day we will just fall. That's why we need to be careful. Now, <clears throat> the psalmist, the finally he says, a prayer for protection. But let all who take refuge in be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Surely, Lord will bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Now, this is a final prayer for protection. And he is so confident uh, that God will protect him. Uh, that's why he says, let them ever sing for joy. Not now, let them ever sing for joy. Let all who take refuge in me, refuge in you, be glad. Uh, the ground for rejoicing is not that wicked people have been destroyed. No, not, not because of that. But because of when we take refuge in God, we can be glad. And uh, there are two imageries in this place. You know, if, if you are a person of uh, 
visions or persons of picture. I can give you two pictures here. He says, spread your protection over them. Spread your protection over them. And the second picture is, surround them with your favor as with a shield. Uh, I can, it's very easy to understand this. If I go to Psalm 91.4, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings, you will find refuge. That's what is spread your protection over them. Like a mother bird uh, with her wings, she covers the chicks. So God spread your protection. Imagine God is spreading his protection over us. That is the protection we have. And if that is not enough, you surround them with your favor as with a shield. A shield as with a shield. A shield is like a bulletproof jacket. You know, it is so close to your body. And you know that you're wearing that shield and no harm will come to you. Same way, God surround them with your favor as with a shield. These are the two images, two pictures we see in this place. And the righteous people are those who love your name. You know, one of the ways we know whether we love God or not. Uh, okay, you can, uh, you can unmute and say, how do we know we love our God? Difficult? Repeat the question, Pastor. Please. How do we know we love our God? Uh, we we tend to spend more time with him if you love him. Yes, yes. Connect with him. Connect with him. Yes. More time. Okay. Yes. According to John's Gospel, Pastor Chapter 40, it says, if you allow me to keep my commandments, you know, there will be a... You, you uh, keep the commandments, so that's one other way you know that you yeah, love... You, know, you have a passion. We are not perfect, but uh, again, as I said, you know, we know our sinfulness and we depend upon God and we look to God for cleansing and for transformation constantly. Okay. Yes. We love our God because of that only we are praising him. We love God. That's why we are praising him. Yeah. Yes. We follow his uh, leading even uh, when like our will doesn't allow us to, but we still follow it. Like uh, if we want to back answer someone, <laughs> but you know, the Holy Spirit is telling us to keep our mouth shut. So, you know, oh. we do it to glorify God. <laughs> okay. We subject our will to his yeah. leading. Okay. Everyone can answer because we have been asked to love God. Uh, we can express love. Love is a big term. We can enjoy God's peace and uh, joy. We can? We can enjoy God's peace. We can love. enjoy God's peace. Yes. No matter, no matter what happens, we will still trust him. We, we still... 
the trusting in god trusting yeah, no matter what happens no matter what happens okay to do his will to do his will do okay his will. okay okay passion to know him more and more passion to know him more and more okay now i'll give you a, uh, i'll give you um, another example and uh, how do you know that a young boy is in love with a girl how does the girl knows that the boy is in love with her with his actions what he does for that girl by is okay you know uh, normally in the school uh, uh, the children if you have children uh, in the teenage uh, have you heard the complaint uh, that boy is always looking at me have you heard that or is it it's you all not heard or yes perhaps <laughs> yeah the boy is always looking at me you ask that boy he will say i am in love with that girl so that's a simple definition of loving god did you get it yes sir yes, if we keep gazing on god's beauty we are in love with god it is yeah we obey we do things and all that but just that gazing god's beauty all through the day that is that shows we really love god that passion uh, we should come to that place where we are able to fix our eyes you know fix your eyes on jesus it's in hebrews so if we fall in love with jesus we don't have to even fix our eyes on jesus eyes will automatically fall on jesus so loving god is something like a young boy is in love with a girl and he keeps staring at her it is that those who love your name may rejoice in you i can go on and on but i'll just sum it up uh for us because this is a quite a long psalm uh he the psalmist has confidence that god will deliver him god will be his protection he prayed for you know he was in danger he is praying for protection and towards the end he says surely lord in fact l o r d is capital that's why i said in tamil you only find kartave kartave in yeah in hebrew bible this is yahweh he is now taking the name of god where israelites people they don't normally take the name of god they are very careful uh, so he says here yahweh you bless the righteous uh, now what we find in the psalms on one side there is god on the other evil human beings in other words we have god on one side we have on the other side dangers we may not have physical dangers from human beings of course now in the present scenario we are also having danger from the human beings because of all that's happening in the society uh, it could be an economic disaster financial loss health loss relationship loss you know we are struggling we are struggling people 
God is on one side. On the other side, we have this. But still, we, we can always come to God in confidence, knowing that God will not only protect us, God will also bless us. Uh, now, we should remember, now, this prayer is not only for protection from wicked persons. This prayer is also a prayer of protection from becoming like them. We, because we use our tongue to praise God, to read the Bible, to pray, we use our tongue and we should not use the tongue to tell lies, to boast, to be arrogant and to devise, you know, to flattery, just, you know, we know we are just flattering that person. Uh, these are all considered as evil according to the Bible. Uh, yeah, so this psalm is not only a psalm uh, for protection, it is also a psalm for self-examination. You know, uh, it shows that when we don't fear God, when people don't fear God, this is how they use their tongues. Speak all kinds of evil. They may even take the name of God and they may curse people. So we need to be careful with what we do. Uh, there is no place. You know, the psalmist is saying their throat is like an open grave. And remember, open grave, uh, especially in a country like ours, the open grave will stink. Uh, There's not going to be a good uh, smell. It'll smell bad. So when people speak, you know, when people smoke, we say the bad smell comes from their mouth. It is when people speak evil things, they also stink. So God wants us to be careful that what the word of God teaches us is we use the words to worship God. We use our mouth to worship God, exalt him, praise him. So we have to be careful with the same mouth. We should not try to speak evil, speak lies, uh, boast, give false testimony, flattery, all these things should be avoided. If you want to read more, you can go to James chapter 3 and you can read there about the tongue. Uh, this is an interesting psalm, very insightful psalm. Uh, we can continue to read and meditate and learn. Uh, next, this Friday, we'll be having our weekly devotion, 7.30 to 8.00.